0: Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Well, good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Uh, my name is Joel. Is anyone in need of toilet paper? Okay, I see that hand. I see that hand. There you go. Enjoy. <laughs> he, caught, he caught it. Roll well, of toilet paper, guys. Everyone relax. Who was amazed because they physically can't catch anything? Does you then? Okay. Again, we'll pray for you after the service. The Michael Jordan people, and. It's good. If you're new, my name's Joel. I'm one of our pastors here. You've come to a good Sunday. I'm excited to bring us around the Word of God in a moment. Um, If you're new with us, um, after the service today, we have a new people's lunch. Um, So feel free to stick around after the service. We'll head across through those glass doors on the other side of the courtyard, and we'll be eating a little bit after the service. So come along. You'll find out about what we believe as a church and... uh, how to get involved and how to get connected and who we are. So uh, we love meeting new people. So if you're new, I hope you feel especially welcome this morning. And if you're not new, um, you are old. And if you are old, a special welcome to you as well. Turn to the person next to you. Are you new or are you old? Ask someone, are you new or are you old? Are you new or are you old? I would like to welcome all of our podcast listeners online. Um, Today I'm continuing a series that Pastor Benai has started on revival culture. And this morning is all about revival culture, celebrating favor. Celebrating favor. This morning, I believe that God wants to maybe readjust our heart, readjust our focus, our eyes, the way that we speak, and learn as a church um, not how to celebrate just your own favour, but to look to your left and your right when other people get victories, whether they feel small or big, instead of being intimidated, instead of being self-focused or greedy or uh, coveting the favour, instead learning how to celebrate the wins of those around us. Does that sound good this morning? That's good. I just want to bring us around our key scripture um, for this series in the life of church. If you've got your Bible, fantastic. If you don't, it's on our screen this morning. Acts 2, verse 42. If you're turning to it, you're allowed to say, got it, when you've got it. Church has been a little bit rowdy this morning. Um, We're only just getting started. If you're new with us and it seems a little bit too rowdy, it does say Celebration Church on our gate, so you should have known... We were going to be a little bit rowdy. Um, So, the advertising is true. The sign is correct. Uh, Acts 2 verse 42 says this, They devoted themselves, speaking of the 3,000 people that were saved in Acts 2. So the first thing that happens when these guys and girls get saved, I'm sorry, five, three, five, thousand, a few thousand, um, when they got saved is they devoted themselves to these things. So this is from the beginning of encountering Jesus, the beginning of the Holy Spirit pouring out. This is the response of everyone that is a Jesus follower. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, everyone say together, together. and had everything in common. We read on a little bit further. Then they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, everyone say favor, of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, This year, um, we believe, as a church, uh, the God has spoken the roar of revival over our house. So we're beginning um, this year by unpacking what we believe um, the Word of God tells us revival looks like. When the Holy Spirit breathes, when God touches earth, when God touches His creation, what is the outworkings of a healthy revival, Christian and church? So we've been unpacking over the last couple of weeks the importance of the very beginning of that verse. Uh, do, that, Verse, verse, that's a thing. How good was it hearing Mark stumble over his words this morning? Because he has an ATAR of 98, 99, and he still doesn't know some tense terms, and that's fantastic. Um, but they devoted, it was good. We'll talk about favor in a second. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So we've been unpacking last week. Pastor Benoiah um, gave us an analogy um, of. The stretcher bearers. And who are the stretcher bearers in your life that bring you to the feet of Jesus, even when the room is crowded, even when you can't do it yourself, will make a way. So we're going to continue just for one more Sunday unpacking this important value of when God breathes on someone and when God breathes on something, learning how to celebrate, because we are one body, we are one church. You should celebrate when your brothers and sisters win. You shouldn't be pushing them down to bring yourself up. So we're going to talk about... Uh, and maybe locate in our hearts any place in us that is maybe a little bit gross, a little bit missing the mark when it comes to being revival, when it comes to having a kingdom culture, when it comes to lifting others up instead of pushing our own agenda. So before I pray, we're just going to... Actually, no, I'll pray and I'll let Alicia Keys sit down. Jesus, we thank you for the honour it is to be in your house, the privilege it is to be here. We don't approach this moment and your word and fellowship with each other with entitlement. It is a privilege to be here. We thank you for those that have gone before us so that we can even sit here this morning. We thank you for the favor in our nation that we can even have this opportunity to celebrate you and come closer to you, God. We pray this morning that you speak to us. We approach you with an open heart, not a closed heart. We approach you with open hands, not closed hands. We approach you with an open spirit, not one that is bitter or twisted. And this morning, no matter how our week's been, or our month's been, or our season's been, or our life has been, we choose to open ourselves to you, to maybe be a little bit vulnerable in your house, and maybe allow you to do something that you only can do when we give you permission. We thank you that you're so kind. We thank you that you're a gentleman. And you won't force us into something this morning. That if we're willing, if we'll knock on that door, if we'll make space for you, you promise us that you will fill that space. So this morning, we don't rush. We ask and give you space to move. May there be miracles, may there be signs, may there be encounters with heaven this morning. Because us gathering together without you, Jesus, is just another club it's just another nice group of people trying their best. But when you move, it makes us different. When you move, heaven invades. So have your way this morning. May you move in our hearts and may we position ourselves to have an encounter with heaven this morning. I pray there be less of me and more of you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Alicia, that is beautiful piano playing. If you've got your Bible, we're going to turn to Genesis 37. This is our scripture for the day today, and we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph. When looking at favor, there's some characters throughout the Bible that just jump out when it comes to favor, one of them being Jesus, Um, the favor on his life, where he was born, his situation, and what God did. But in the Old Testament, uh, we have a thing called types, and and types are an Old Testament shadow of a New Testament reality. So in the Old Testament, we have different types, like uh, Jonah, who was in the belly of a fish for three days and then was out, and then revival broke out giving us a type of what happened to Jesus. We have the story of Joseph, which is his brothers and numbers, and there's a whole bunch of things in the story of Joseph that shows us a type of Messiah, shows us a type of someone against all odds bringing the victory. There's these different types, these early shadows in the Old Testament that show us Jesus. Jesus. Even if you look at the book of Isaiah and how it's structured and how many chapters are in it to how many books are in the Bible and the beginning of it is the old and the new and there's a transition in, in, in Isaiah, like the Old Testament is a shadow of the God that is to come. Jesus was not a backup plan, He was always the plan. So we see Him throughout from Genesis 1 to the notes page in the back of your Bible, the map. The map. One day I want to do a series in our church called The Gospel According to the Maps. And we're going to look at the maps. Because if you've never turned to the maps in your Bible, or if you only use a phone, you might be missing some important truths. Um, Because locations aren't just locations, they're not just dapto mall. Um, Specific places were known for specific things. Um, But we're going to look at Genesis 37. I'm actually going to skim a little bit through this story, but we're going to get a reality check of what character are we in the story? Often when you read a scripture, you find yourself, if you read the Gospels, you're either... I don't know, Jesus himself, and everyone's against you, or you're Judas, stealing some money, according to John, because John wasn't a big fan of Judas, Um, you see yourself as one of the characters, maybe you see yourself as one of the stretcher bearers, maybe you see yourself as the person that can't move, maybe you see yourself as the person that built the house that these stretcher bearers are smashing, and you're like, this is destructive, why are we... You see yourself in the story. So this morning, as we share Joseph, I want you to both see yourself as Joseph, but also... As his brothers. So in chapter 37, have you got it? It's not on our screen. So if you don't have it, my deepest condolences to you. (laughs) In verse 2, it says this Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flock with his brothers. Joseph was tending the flock with his brothers. He was doing something seemingly unglamorous. Then it goes on to talk about a report that was brought, a bad report. And then we, we get a look into the story of Joseph, the relationship he has with his brothers, and the relationship that he has with his dad. Everyone say, dad. It says in verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons. Who is that child? Put your hand up if you are the child that is loved by your parents more than any of the others. Okay, put it up high. I want you to keep it up if you are the youngest child. Okay, because that's the honest truth. The youngest child is the most favoured. Can I get an amen from Paula Michelle? Yep, they said amen. Yeah, they said amen there. Um, I have two... Two amazing children, Jeremiah and Ellie. And Jeremiah is great, but he's no Ellie. Um... <laughs> Can we delete that out of the podcast in case he... in case by any chance a pastor's kid actually listens to his dad's sermons? I hope he doesn't. I hope he's got more things going on for him. Okay, um, because... <laughs> because he has been born to him in his old age, and he made a rich ornament robe for him. When his brothers saw that the father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. Everyone say, hated him. him. This is a word we see in this story, but it is not often a word that we like to um, admit when jealousy hits, when we don't like favor on someone else's life. We don't often use the word, man, I really hate that person right now. Maybe you do. If you do, Shut your mouth more often. But what we do is we often, we muddy the waters, we we talk around an issue, and we miss the issue that's going on is hatred. And if I know anything about hatred is God is love. There's no like paraphrase or passion version or message that's like, God is love, but he throws shade and he sometimes isn't a big fan of... no. We have this insight here that when people look at the favor of God and they look at it in a way that tears it down and destroys it, the spirit that they're moving in is a spirit of hatred and the spirit of hatred will always make you smaller, it'll always make you sicker and it'll always take you to a place you never wanted to go and it'll keep you there for longer than you wanted to stay and you'll just end up the bad person in the story. (laughs) They hated him... And could not speak a kind word to him. One of the first things that happens when we move against, when God is blessing someone or favor, is we suddenly there's a drought when it comes to our kind words towards them. We think that saying nothing is being kind, but saying nothing isn't being kind, we're still moving in that spirit. Now it says, Joseph had a dream. So this is before he had a dream, this is before God, this is just his father liked him more than everyone else because he had him in his old age and gave him a ridiculous coat. If you ever want to make one of your children jealous of the other one, maybe publicly say you like them more or give them a coat. Um, so he almost gets this target on his back before he does anything. And there's, Joseph had a dream, and when he told this to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. And then he goes on to describe the dream. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down before me. Speaking of his 11 brothers, the sun and the moon speaking of his parents. When he told this to his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you have had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were... Jealous. Everyone say jealous. jealous. Can you sing it in your best voice? Three, two, one. Jealous. Does anyone ever find themselves in worship singing to God and you feel a bit bad for Him? Like, you to listen to my voice right now, and apparently you love this, um, but I'm going to try my best right now. Jealous! <laughs> His brothers were jealous of Him. But his father kept the matter in mind. His father didn't move in a hatred spirit, but he's kept it in mind. The story goes on, it says this, and we'll read this, and then we'll get um, right into what I feel the Holy Spirit wants to share with us this morning. It says, Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock. I want to skip right down to verse 19. This is where we pick up. The brothers have seen Joseph from afar... And in verse 18, it says they plotted to kill him. Verse 19 says these amazing four words that I love, but they're used in a very horrible way. It says, here comes the dreamer. Whew, maybe said of you that truth. That what God speaks to you becomes your reality to such a degree that it is now the identifying thing of who you are. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer in that workplace, or that family, or that situation, or that, that neighbor, or that diagnosis in your family. No, here comes the dreamer, the one that believes for the impossible, the one that isn't, that is just favored by heaven. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other, come now, let us kill him and throw him into a cistern and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Yikes! Again, we can draw ourselves as Joseph, all those people that have attacked us and tried to destroy our dream, but we, if we're really honest and transparent with ourselves, maybe there's a part of us or a moment, if we're just honest in God's presence, that have had this spirit. I'm not saying any of us have planned a murder of the person that gets to lead the host team for this week. Um, or the person that was upgraded to the chippies in the cafe. Or the person that got that, that car or that... I'm not, I'm not saying we're all plotting murders. But I am saying that the spirit behind it, we have to be very careful yeah. of. You yeah. have to be careful of the, the hatred the dragging someone else down to exalt ourselves. Huh, doesn't mess us up. <laughs> Especially because the favour that was on Joseph was never about Joseph, it was always about God. And when we compare ourselves to others, when we try and put ourselves a step ahead of others, we find ourselves comparing ourselves to the grace of God on someone else's life. And it's never supposed to be our measuring stick. Our measuring stick is supposed to be looking, our eyes fixed ahead of us, on Jesus, the Author. He wrote it, and the perfecter, he'll bring it to completion of our faith. So it's important that we look at this story, but see ourselves a little bit. So come now, let us kill him, throw him into a cistern, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And then Reuben, and we can go into what Reuben means and what his tribe was, but we won't, heard this and tried to rescue him from their hands. The story goes on. They throw him in this little well. He's sold, uh, sorry, he's sold into slavery instead of the well. The the story unfolds. He goes up in. the house of um, the the leader, and and then his wife attacks, and there's this scandal, and he's thrown out, and he's put in prison, and these dreams happen. He answers dreams, he answers King's dreams, he stays in prison for more years, and then he finally gets opportunity to lead and lead and lead, and then his brothers soon, because of a famine, find themselves before him, and the fulfillment of these dreams that were placed on his life come because of the journey that he was on. And then we find ourselves at the end of the book of Genesis where we see Joseph passing away and then he's even prophesying in uh, chapter 50, verse 24. It says, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up to the land that he had promised on the oath of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he goes even further to prophesy over future generations because he saw God move and he spoke favor over them. We're just going to look at three important keys that the Holy Spirit just brought to my attention this morning for us to make sure that we don't have a hatred towards favor. That we be the kind of church that uh, would be a witness to our city because of how we love each other. Because a win for one is a win for all. That we would be connected enough as His body, as His family, as the sheep, as the flock of God, we would be connected enough to celebrate aggressively the winds of others. That we would be quick to be kind, that we would be quick to lift up others, and we would allow ourselves to be lifted up by each other as well. So I want to give us three simple truths around criticism out of this verse and out of Acts chapter 2. The first one is this. No one wears criticism well. No one wears criticism well. You don't look good when you are criticising. It doesn't suit you. It's too tight in the wrong places. It's bringing emphasis to the wrong parts of your physique. You don't look good <laughs> when you criticise. I know this. Let me tell you a story and we'll delete it out of the podcast. In case Pastor Brian and Charlie listen, just for you. Uh, A couple of months ago, me and Jeremiah were in Vincennia Marketplace and a person walked towards us and Jeremiah said, loudly, confidently, like a young man of God with boldness and courage, an innovator for his generation, one day your children will work for him. Um, He pointed at someone and said, that man is fat. from the mouth of babes, truth. And I turned to my son, because I'm as smart as him, and I turned to him and said, Jeremiah, that is a woman. (laughs) I then unpacked my bad parenting and maybe not judge people by their body, but no one wears criticism well. Segue. There's things like pride that just don't look good on you that say a lot more about you than the person that you're criticizing or the person you're being proud towards. There's an old proverb, and it is this: it is easier to criticize than to do better. If you often find yourself pointing fingers at those around you, it's because it's easy. It's really easy to fault-find. You're not smart. Sometimes I, let me use another story, another example, Um, McDonald's did this thing a little while ago um, about, like, exalting the person that criticises, like, we've improved our beans, we heard your complaints and now we've done this thing. It doesn't take much to know that a fillet of fish tastes disgusting, okay? We can all agree on that. If you like fillet of fishes, again, with the Michael Jordan people or the toilet paper, we'll pray for you at the end of the service. But it doesn't take much to be like, oh, there's someone on the side of the road, their car is broken, that car is broken. Yeah, we get it. You can criticize and you can see issues, but the problem with that is you think you're smart because you drag someone else down. In reality, you're just wearing something that doesn't suit you very well because it's much easier for some reason in our humanity to drag someone else down to feel a little bit better about ourselves. And it's something of our flesh we need to keep on fighting, because if we're really honest with ourselves, it's much better just to do better than to drag someone else into your mess. If you ever find yourself wearing criticism, or you're a glass half whatever person, um, let me just give you one simple fact, one simple truth, and maybe I'm just the voice that can say this to you this morning, you are acting too small. It's not making you big. It makes you small. It makes you so angry at something in front of you that it is changing who you are, and you've actually become a lot smaller than the obstacle that was there. And Joseph's brothers here are a great example of people that become a background story to a large degree simply because they criticized favor. So when someone gets the opportunity in your workplace that you didn't get, how you respond to that shows if you're small or big. In church life, in ministry life, in your relationship, do you celebrate the win of others? If you do, let me thank you for being big to be able to lift and exalt someone else up, to be humble before God and be like, I'm going to champion you. I'm going to do what the Bible tells me, which is to build each other up. And I'm going to keep on fighting for it. I'm going to normalize it. And if you don't, stop acting too small. It's just an act. You can stop it. The next moment that you feel like criticism coming to the service and you want to call the manager over because you want to say something, that's just a silly example. But The moment that you do that, just take a big breath in and be like, nah, I'm bigger than this. I can lift this person up. This isn't about my insecurities and me and me and me and my thoughts and me and me. I'm not the main person in this story right now. We're going to get to the importance of that revelation in a moment. So the first thing is no one suits, uh, no one wears criticism well. The second thing is this. When you criticize, you create the worst version of you. The worst version of you, not the best, I find, let me tell you another story (laughs) that we'll also delete out of the podcast, Um, I find um, every time I attend a Bucks party or a guys gathering, I find all the guys try and alpha me because they know that I'm the alpha. (laughs) I've got an alpha tattoo on my finger, now that's my wedding ring. Gasp in church, pastor with a tattoo. We all have a past, church. We all have a past. Um, (laughs) Mine was just a few years ago after a Sunday service. Um, I preached, it was a good message. My wife doesn't like it in case she dies. She's like, you don't have to marry someone with a letter A. I was like, fine, it's not hard. There's lots of A's out there. Um, (laughs) But I find myself in these situations. Uh, I don't want to be prideful. I just want to be honest. Um, Have you ever seen a big dog... Meet a chihuahua. That is my life. (laughs) No, I'm joking. But I find these guys get like, who's tougher? Who's. I'm the funniest. I'm the smartest. And I have a $3 watch on. Um, It's a Rolex. (laughs) Um, but what you find in these situations, you see it with little dogs. I've seen this with Pastor Brown Charlie's dog a few times. When a large dog meets a small dog, the little dog barks and the, the larger dog looks confused. <laughs> like, oh, my presence has made you act that way. And they like put a large paw and just calm down, little chihuahua. <laughs> Let me bring us to the scripture, and I'll bring you to this point. Romans 12, verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then let's look at Proverbs 1, verse 15. It says, My son, do not go along with them, and do not set foot on their paths. There's something really important for us to understand that we can choose to act the worst version of us or the best version of us. I find myself, people often think like when someone falls over, oh, that's who they really were all along. I, I don't find that. I find for me, when I'm in God's will, doing things God's way, that is, the, that is the more accurate version of who I am. When I make mistakes, when I fall over, that is not an identity issue. I am a son of God. Yeah. Sons fall over, that's fine, but I'm not a guy that falls over. I'm defined by who he says and what I am. So I have an option to act the worst version of me or the best version of me, but I'm already a son. I'm already chosen by God. I'm already loved. I'm already favored by him. He already promises me amazing, rich blessings. He's poured so much. He's freed me. (laughs) I was sharing with our youth ministry on Friday night that... If you've given your life to Jesus, I had this backpack, and I was like, if you've given your life to Jesus, the weight of sin is now off you. You're free. You have something that the world doesn't have. So to act the same, or to try and put on new little burdens that'll make you feel sad, no, you're saved, and freed, and redeemed, and His love and His kindness are pouring out on you. He's your shield, and your protector, and your provider. Everything you were trying to do for yourself but couldn't, He is. So it would be silly for us to put on some other backpack and act or weighed down. No, God has done that for us. But we have this option. Will I act that way or will I act this way? Will I live in that reality or will I live in a better reality? Will I find myself conforming to the pattern of this world, pushing my own agenda, criticizing for the sake of criticism? Or will I find myself admitting humbly before God, even in my weakness, He is strong? His path and His plan for me is good. I serve a good, faithful, amazing God. I don't need to force my way to the front. Jesus is already at the front. And if I can just keep on following Him and making Him the main character in my story, I'm going to be set. Because I'd rather live a life that is about Jesus and me as a co-star or a background tree on the stage than a life about me with Jesus not in it. The fact, before we move on to the third thing, if you find yourself being the worst version of you, is very simple. You are acting counter-kingdom. I spoke with some of our interns and some of our leaders towards the end of last year and beginning of this year because I found what was happening uh, in, in just our leadership culture and how we're talking about volunteering is we started bringing up language like, is someone ready to serve? Like, is someone are they healthy enough? Is this going on? And that is fine and good because we're trying to protect people and make sure they get their foundation good and secure. But we can't think that serving is negative. That serving is something counterculture. That serving is somehow destroying your health and destroying your mental health and fighting for someone else is negative. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have given us truth like the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Jesus wouldn't be down as one of his last acts to his disciples, washing their weird, filthy feet. We have this image of the Son of God being a servant of all. So we have to make sure that when it comes to kingdom things, we come to His reality, not our reality. That if I can do anything in the house of God, whether it be the door or anything, it is better than anything else. If I can just serve Jesus, if I can just set up that chair, or if I can just be in God's house and worship Him, man, that's where I want to be. That's the best version of me. And there's kingdom things. There's kingdom things like forgiveness. You just experience heaven when you forgive. Like for me, one of the greatest encounters that I've ever had and I believe that I can ever have of heaven is when I just let go. When I had a choice to be bitter, when I had a choice to get all twisted up about it, it was like, no, I forgive. There's just something about just zooming up and being bigger than fighting some, they're going to get right and I'm going to get mine and there's going to be... No, just, I just forgive. There's kingdom things that we can choose to act in them instead of acting counter. Living in the world's pattern and bringing it into the church. They got an opportunity, I didn't. Oh. It's not an issue of your identity. It's an issue of just God moves, and you should celebrate every single move. It's 11, 11 and I haven't looked at a clock. I've seen 11-11 two times a day, every day of my life. I'm a liar. It's okay, church. Okay. The third thing is this, because we're going to do some worship this morning that I believe is going to um, free us a little bit and, and refocus our attention. The, the third point and last point is this, favor ain't fair. Before Joseph did anything, apart from being born by an old mum and dad, he did nothing. He wore a coat, he looked after, nothing. It wasn't fair that he was favoured by God, but he was. It was just a reality of what he lived in. It says this in Psalm 5 verse 12, "'Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous, you surround them with with your favour as with a shield.'" There's something about being right standing with God that should and does open up favor. That just God just being good, God just being faithful, and you're being able to celebrate and enjoy that. It says this in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves, it is the gift of God. This in 1 Corinthians tells us the truth that it is him, not us, therefore we don't boast about us. We boast about Him. We're blessed to be a blessing. We take the opportunities and the doors that God opens us to get as many people behind us through them as we can, to share the good news. Again, on Friday night, if you've got a backpack on your back and that weight is off, it is now your duty to scream it to everyone with a backpack. You don't have to carry that anymore. My God can take it off you in the same way that he took it off me. And I'm going to make it my mission, just like it was John the Baptist's, to prepare the way for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a truth speaker and say, let's take this thing off. The favor that you have received is so that you'll be able to grant favor to others around you, that you would bring them into the reality of the kingdom on earth. If you find yourself getting caught up in fear, black and white, right and wrong, Finding let's pick sides. One of the worst things in our society at the moment is we are demanding everyone pick a side on everything. Yeah. And what happens is we just we, we gather around fights that don't matter. And we we disunify and we separate because of issues that if we're really honest, we're only caught up in because we are lying or hiding the main issues because there's big things going on, there's things under the surface, there's things that we have to deal with. It's not just uh, your team won, my team lost, I hate you. <laughs> I was on this side, you're on that side, it worked out that way, uh, you're going to say you told, I told you so, and then we're going to fight more, and then we're going to establish bigger corners, and the divide's going to be bigger, and that happens in the church, and then the world looks to us and says they don't love each other any different than we do. That's why Jesus' uh, truth to us, that Paul makes it very clear to us, that they will know that we're disciples of him if we love. Yes. If every wall we build up to each other, we smash down together. <laughs> I felt this way. I saw this thing. When God did that in you, I was like, I've been praying for this thing for five years and it hasn't happened yet. And I was a little bit bitter and I was a little bit jaded and I don't want to be that person. Can you pray with me? (laughs) Let me speak some kind words over you and fight back this hatred culture because I'm not going to be one of the 11 brothers. I'm not going to let myself be drawn in and written up as that part of the story. I'm going to be the one that champions you and lifts you up because Joseph didn't have anyone really in his corner. His father's very least was he kept it to himself a little bit. But to be the person in the story that when God moves, you are the first person on the phone being like, it happened. He came through. It looked impossible, but he did it. His favor is good. Let's share this with as many people as we can. You can choose which person you are in that story. The last little fact around this this morning is you're acting someone else's role. When you criticize, when you bring down, you start to act outside of your role in the story and start to act in someone else's role. And the role that you act is Jesus's. You step out of playing the part that God had for you and you step into the judges. You step into the one that defines, the one that draws everything to yourself And you step out of the amazing role that Jesus planned for you and wrote for you before you were even born or a thought in your parents' eyes, mind. You step out of that role and you step into the King of King and the Lord of Lords role and you're ready to just bring all of creation together. You ready to let everyone know what they did wrong and what's happening and we criticize things and people around us. I often find this as well, if you find yourself criticizing something, I have never seen anyone criticize something smaller than them. When you criticize, this is what you do, you try and tear down someone that you believe is better than you. And it comes back to this real messy place where you're pushing yourself into the main person of the story and Jesus is like, I thought this was about me, I thought I was calling all men to myself. I thought this was a story of my love and the Father's love towards creation, not yours. And we step into a role that, honestly, the boots are too big for us. And them boots be made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. In one of these days, these boots, they're going to walk all over you. It's a Jessica Simpson song from, I believe, 2006, but I'm not entirely sure. So fresh. a joke for all the 30-year-olds that used to have so fresh albums, or 40s, and we step into these shoes that are too big for us to fulfill, and we know it's too big because we start making random decisions. Jeremiah sometimes gets to drive our car, <laughs> just on my lap, just, just to Wollongong and back, nothing major, no, just in the backyard, and Ellie's in the back seat, not in the seatbelt, but he makes decisions. Okay, so we need to delete that really out of the podcast. Um, and if the police officer in the room could please ignore what I just said. <laughs> Metaphorically, G, uh, Jeremiah nearly said Jesus. That's confusing. Jeremiah does believe that I am God. He often says that. It's like, what do you want to ask God for? I want to ask you for... You're like, mm. I feel like kids' church is really letting you down. Um... LAUGHTER but when we get an opportunity to step into something or to force our way to the front of something and we start acting out of character and we start acting in a role that we couldn't possibly fulfill maybe we just need to take two or three steps back and be like actually this isn't me versus them, this is us supporting him if there was a poster of your life, it's not your name in bright lights, it's his and if it's not, you're not walking with him yet if it's your name in bright lights featuring Jesus, <laughs> and all the people that criticised you, are the little hatred tab under there, this leader said this once, my parent did this, and then, well, and, all the, and, all the, and then there's some other co-stars around, you put your senior pastor, a few lists down there, and as long as they say this, and, they, and the criticism of your boss, or the criticism of the people winning around you, but it's your name,
0: Angela.
1: Man, rip that poster up, bro, sis, lady, man. Rip the poster up and be like, all my life is, is pointing to him. And if you're getting favor right now, if God's blessing you, guess who we get to point at together? Him. He healed. He freed. He gave you that opportunity. It's not you. You're not better than me, but he's better than both of us put together. So we remove our identity from this fight of who gets to be the star. And we put our identity in who he says we are. That rhymed and I'm embarrassed because it did, because I'm extremely white and I should never rap. Take that, Eminem. Take it out because Eminem listens to the podcast. (laughs) Natty, if I can get you up here, bro, we're about to finish up. Can I encourage us, this last simple slide says this, be on the right side of the story because you have the right spirit. Be on the right side of the story Husbands, be on the right side of lifting your wives up in their dreams and what God has placed in their lives. Leader, be on the right side of the story when God breathes on someone in your connect group or in your family or in your little little circle. Be on the right side and lift them up and exalt them. Be on the right side when someone else gets that healing and you've been praying for 15 years. Be on the right side of the story. When Joseph gets a dream and it seems impossible, one of our young people comes to you and shares a dream. I remember in the early days, I was 16, and I sat around a table of a Christian family, and I told them what I believed God wanted to do in our youth ministry, and they spent the next half an hour telling me that it was impossible. Oh, it fueled me. Oh, yes. For a good few years, I was like, take that, Sandra. Um, that's not her real name. It is... Don't be that person in the story. Don't be Sandra. <laughs> it's not a real name. It is. I can't lie. It just came out. and Sorry, Sandra. She's not here. Sandra. Nat doesn't know who she is either, so that's all good. Thank you, Sandra. I mean, Nat. Oh, my gosh. Truth came out. <laughs> but have that right spirit. Have that I'll exalt Jesus. Have that I'll make this about him, not about me. So how we're going to finish this morning is a a really simple thing. The best way to move from criticism of others and criticism of circumstances is demanding your own way. I wish that Scott Morrison did this and my government should do this and the person around me should do this and the person should drive better like this and my kids should have done this and this should have... And just a whole bunch of hot air that makes you look tiny and out of control and led by everyone else's thoughts and actions constantly responding man that's exhausting because it makes you small and it makes you forget how good and big your god is and in every single win for someone else it's just a testimony that he can do it in your life too so this morning i'm just going to ask you to close your eyes i want you to reflect for a moment if there's parts of you that have maybe pushed your way to the front of the stage, screamed, all eyes on me, hear my thing. This is what I'm saying about this. I'm right, you're wrong. Black and white, just, just this is fight. For what? To get someone else to change their mind and be a little bit more like you. No one should be a little bit more like you. They should be more like him. If I don't fight against them, who is? No, you are not fighting against them. The Holy Spirit can do it. You just speak love, truth. I don't believe that the kingdom of God is built through criticism. So we shouldn't try. So this morning we're going to lift our eyes and we're going to lift our gaze and we're going to put Jesus back at the center of it all. Maybe this morning, when people have stepped up, it's made you insecure. You've been st- stuck in a comparison game. That's what the brothers did. It didn't matter that they plotted a death, sold in a slavery, thought they were right. Joseph still won. So it's never a win to compare and to drag down. You just paint yourself into a corner. Maybe that whole circumstance was just so that you could express the kingdom better, kinder, more forgiving, more weeping with those that are weeping and celebrating those that are celebrating. This morning, just as you sit there, Nat is gonna sing just as some simple words over us, that Jesus be the center of it all. Second verse goes that Jesus would be the center of my life. And the third verse goes that Jesus be the center of the church. The church would just be a big story about Him. (laughs) Not about our big decisions and convictions and what we're going to stand. Just Jesus. Just Him, just more. He can speak to you, right? He can can help you. His peace can... I don't need to clean you up before the presence of God. He can do that. I wasn't perfect before I met Him. I'm not going to make you perfect before you meet Him. So Nat's going to sing this over us. And then we're going to stand in a moment and just declare, just make a decision that this is going to be about Jesus, that we're stepping back from comparison. We're stepping back from criticism. We're stepping back into our role and letting Him in the bright lights, letting His name be at the top of that poster, let Him be the person that gets the words, and we just point to Him. We'd be happy playing the background to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I just encourage you to sit there and just receive. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Be Jesus at the center of it all
1: Just receive. You don't need to sing yet. Just receive.
0: Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, you will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We'll sing that again. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, so always be you, Jesus. Yes, Oh, Jesus. What matters? Nothing in this world. You're the answer. Everything revolves around you, Jesus. You,
1: Jesus. We just come before you this morning. In a culture that is surrounded by comparison, even for our younger generation, a culture that's surrounded by social media who's right, and who? And my, I've got this, and I've got that, and look what I've got, and just comparison, comparison. The results in a culture of tearing down, a culture of removing humanity from each other, and a culture that puts us at the center of it all. So this morning, we come before you. We make a decision to exalt your name and exalt you, Jesus, above everything else. Why don't we stand together, church? And I just pray this morning, surrender Lift your hands just to say you're surrendering. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. (laughs) And let's lift up the name of Jesus. And I believe that things are going to break off right now over your life. In Jesus' name.
0: Jesus at the center of it all.
1: Just readjust your heart.
0: Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, so always be you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus at the center of it all. Oh, it's always been you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,
1: Jesus. I'm going to finish in a moment. Gotta show me this picture of just a an adjustment, like a a chiropractor, like an adjustment. And often when things are out of line, there could be numbness in certain areas. But when an adjustment happens and the spine gets straightened up and the shoulders and the hips are in the right place, there's just a life that bursts forth. What was once kind of numb, a little bit messed up, a little bit painful, a little bit just difficult, when an adjustment hits, wow, I can move, I can breathe. And it could be chiropractic adjustments are for breath and for, for pain and for circulation. And I just feel us like singing this one more time. I just want you to, just for wherever you are, just kind of move as close as you can to the seat in front of you. or just take a step forward from the front row. And I want us to sing this. And as we sing it, I want you to just take a step back. And just as a, just as a physical example type of a decision, just to step back and let Jesus be the middle. Like let Jesus be the one that our eyes and our attention's on. And I just feel like it's just an adjustment again. And maybe you're perfect and you don't need to do this, but me, I need to adjust. I need to make a little bit more about him, a little bit less about big old jolly boy. So let's sing this again. Let's sing it once and then let's step back and just declare it that He be the center of it all, including your life, including this church, including your family, including your future and your children and your children's children. That He just be the center, that He would just be the God that's
0: in control of it all. Let's sing together. Jesus at the center of Not, it all. Not us, you. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. so always been You, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Step back and sing it. Jesus at the center of it.
1: Jesus. Well we just thank you that this is a story about you and this is a church this morning as a family as a community we just again just affirm that you're the center any time that we step into your role may we have humility to step back and celebrate what you're doing and celebrate your favor because this is a story about the king of kings and the lord of lords restoring people to himself And we thank you that we get to play a part. We thank you that we were invited on the cast. We thank you that we were invited to the party. It is such a privilege to even be in the room. But we make this about you, all eyes on you. And this morning, God, as we close, if there's anyone that's been struggling with criticism and dragging others down, I pray that this start a dialogue of help, of honest conversation, no matter our age or our experience, Or how many times we've walked that path of criticism. I pray that we be a humble church that will come before you and each other and do better than we've done in the past. So may the world look to your church and see it exalting you and loving each other. And may revival break out in every corner of our church and our city and our schools. Every neighbourhood may revival break out because we are acting like we're from heaven. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen, 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 amen. How good is Jesus? Fantastic. We hope you were
0: encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.